Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe that this message is going to bless your life, encourage you, and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Grab a notebook, a pen, and let's jump right in. All right. Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. I was waiting to see if any guys said thank you. (laughs) Ladies, we appreciate you so much. Honestly, if it was not for you, we would not be here today. So you're catching that. Happy Mother's Day, ladies. This is your day. Love this day. Hold on to this day. Um, Families, love on Mama today. Love on her a lot. This is her special day. All right, we're going to move forward in our series this morning We're in a series that we're simply calling Multiply. We're processing through the book of Acts and discovering how the early church responded to the directive by God to go and multiply, to go and make disciples in Jesus' name. How many of you know that God has called every single one of us to go and make disciples? See, for too many years, the church has left that to the leadership of the church, to the pastoral staff of the church. But the Bible clearly tells us that our responsibility as your pastor, my responsibility is not to do all the work, but to equip you to give you opportunities, come on, to fulfill the calling that God has set before us. So as we dove into this series that we're calling Multiply, we felt it was necessary that we look into the book of Acts because that is the generation, firsthand generation, that hears this mandate, this calling from God, and we want to find out how are they putting it into action? How are they moving forward with what God has laid before them? It's been an incredible 12 weeks up to this point. I can't believe it's already been 12 weeks in this series. We have watched the Holy Spirit show up time and time again. Every time there's an issue, any time there's an outpouring, anytime something goes on, they share the good news of Christ. The Bible says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We watched the Holy Spirit has radically changed lives. And the good news is that God has called every one of us. You see, this good news has been shared now not only with the Jews who were God's chosen people, but now also to us, the Gentiles, the the non-Jew. But more than anything, what strikes me over and over again is the fact that this theme of multiply is repeated over and over and time and time again throughout the book of Acts in and through the early church. And the great thing about it is this. It's the fact that God has chosen you and God has chosen me. A faulty people at best to fulfill his calling. Now, here's the interesting thing. God could have accomplished his task without any one of our help. 
he could accomplish this task of reaching the world for him without your help, without my help. But for one reason or another, he chooses to use us in this pursuit. Today, I've titled the message, The Great Mission. I want you to hear that mission. Acts chapter 13, verse 47. It says, for the Lord gave us this command. Look at your neighbor say, it's a command. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. What does that mean? That means he's he's called you and he's called me to go everywhere, anywhere and everywhere to those here locally and those worldwide to do all we can so that everyone has the opportunity to know of the good news of Christ. And he kicks it off by saying, this is a command. So today I want to look at three very simple questions when it comes to this idea of a great mission. Question number one is this. Are you willing to be sent? Now, I'm not asking, is Encounter Church willing to be sent? I'm not asking if the leadership team of this great body of believers is willing to be sent. I'm not even asking if the Assemblies of God is willing to be sent. But what I'm asking is, are you individually Are you willing to be sent? This is a very personal question. It it kind of strikes to the very core of who we are. In verse 3 and 4 of Acts 13, it says this, So after some fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent, say sent, sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Paul were sent, come on, say it again, say sent, were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a difference between somebody sending you and you willfully going. Come on, if you don't believe that, then tell your teenage son or your teenage daughter to go to the grocery store for you. Oh, they may go, but in their mind, they didn't choose to go. Come on, right? David and Jordy, just wait. (laughs) teenage years, about 13 years from now, all that you're going to go, I remember that message. (laughs) There's a difference between being sent and willfully choosing to be sent. Verse 3 and 4 says, the church sent Paul and Barnabas out. Then it says the Holy Spirit sent Barnabas and Paul out. But if you go on in verse 4, it says, They went. They went. In other words, they accepted the call of God. They accepted this commission of the Holy Spirit to be sent on a great mission. What's your mission in life? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever really processed what your mission is? This is a question that every follower of Christ, every Christian must ask themselves. And honestly, the sooner you ask yourself that question, the better off you are. 
Because if you don't know what your mission is, you don't know where you're going to go. If you don't know where you're going to go, you don't know which path to take. Come on, right? Uh, you guys all know that I have the worst directional abilities in the world. We, I, I've been completely honest with you on this. Time and time again, if you ask me right, right now which way is north, I have no idea. <laughs> My best guess is up. And that's not right. So here's the deal. In order for me to know where I want to go, I've got to have some details that I can give to Siri so that Siri can take me from here to there. Right? But before she can tell me where to go, before she can lead me where I need to go, I've got to tell her what my end goal is, what my mission is. And I wonder, do you know what your mission is? Oh, I can give you a generalized mission. We just read it. This is the command that, that you and I are to, to be a light to the Gentiles, a light to the world, to bring salvation to the farthest corners, to go and make disciples, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone. That's the generalized mission. But can you personalize that just a little bit in your life? Every one of us have a general mission that's the same, but we have a unique mission that God has laid upon our hearts. He has set in motion before us. And your circle of influence is it's different than my circle of influence. Those that you can reach is going to be different than those that I can reach. And the question is, are we willing to accept that? Are we willing to pursue that mission field, that opportunity to multiply for the kingdom of God? Jesus chose to set the example when he came to this earth as a baby born in a manger to a, a lowly peasant girl. Later throughout his life, we read his comment in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Jesus understood his purpose in life was to go everywhere possible to share the good news, to give hope, to bring life to its fullness. Now it's your opportunity and my opportunity to take what he started, what he began, and to see it through question is, are you willing to be sent? Oh, some of you, you've discounted yourself. You have so many reasons why you can't. You, uh, you're defined by your past mistakes. You're defined by your failures in life. You're defined by your upbringing. You're defined by all of these. And I wonder, how does God define you? That's what's really important. You see, if we keep reading in the book of Acts chapter 13, Paul rises and addresses the crowd, and he's talking about the time when Saul was removed as king, and, and, and God was placing David into this place of, of leadership and to become the king, and it said that God testified about David. He is a man after my own hearts. And I wonder if, if God was here today in, in the person, in the physical, 
He was standing beside me on this platform this morning. How would he define you? I'd venture to say it was probably different than you define yourself. Because the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. That before we were even born, while we were still in our mama's belly, that he had a plan for us and he called us by name. And see, God sees your purpose. He's called you to be sent. The question is, are you willing to go? So what's that look like? What does accepting this mission of God really look like? Well, there's a few things we should ponder. Number one, it's just having a willingness to grab a new perspective on your day-to-day life. Taking the time to see things from a new point of view, if you would. I remember when Chandler, my son, he was playing drums this morning, just graduated college this past week. But when he was a little guy, about two or three years old, probably three years old, we were sitting in the basement of the house and watching TV, and, and suddenly he jumps up on the arm of the couch. And he's sitting on the arm of the couch, and he looked at me, and he said, Dad? And I said, what's going on, buddy? He goes, I'm getting a new perspective from this place. And I wonder, how many of us in life need to climb on the arm of the couch? How many of us need to change where we are? We need to change our environment. We need to change what we're surrounded by and get to a new place and say, Lord, give me a new perspective. See, the second thing is this. We've got to be open to do different things and to do things differently. See, if we keep doing the same thing over and over, we're going to get the same results. But if we want to see different results, we've got to begin to do a new thing. I want to challenge you in your walk with Christ. Don't be afraid to try something you've never tried before. I mean, I've had people over and over throughout the years, we're talking about an area of ministry, and they'll say, I, I don't know I can do that. I I've never done that before. There was a point in time you never walked, but you had to give it a try. The point in time that you never ate, but you had to give it a try. There was a time and point you never talked, but you had to give it a try. And I wonder in your life today, what is it that you need to learn to do or do differently that you've been doing wrong or in the wrong direction for too many years? The third, we begin to focus on your calling in life and acting upon it. Man, I've talked to so many of you, and you said, you know, God's been stirring in my heart for many, many years, but for one reason or another, I've been going a different direction. I've been fighting against that call of God. What would happen? What would happen if you just changed that perspective, if you began to do something new and you began to focus in on this calling that God has placed upon your life? And rather than just thinking about it, you begin to act upon it. That brings us to our next one, looking for opportunities to represent Jesus throughout your day. Well, pastor, I don't know how I do that. I work in a factory. Well, that's pretty good. God can show up in a factory. I don't know how I do that. I ride on the back of a trash truck. That's okay. God still shows up in neighborhoods where you're going. I drive a school bus. God's still there. 
See, no matter where you go, we're to look for the opportunities. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17 reminds us that we are to make the most of every opportunity in life. In these wicked times, in these wicked places, we've got to look for opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. Why? Because that's the command, that's the mandate that he's laid before us to be a, a light. Why did he say a light? Because he knew there'd be a lot of darkness. And the only thing that could permeate through the darkness is light. If you lose power in your house, the lights go out and it's dark inside, you don't grab a dark container. I'm trying to think the opposite of a flashlight. And I don't even know what that would be. You don't grab darkness and go, turn on the darkness. No, you look for the lights. You grab that flashlight, you light that candle, something to permeate the darkness. That's what God has called you and called me to be, to be a light in the midst of the darkness, to look for those opportunities to represent him each and every day. Finally, it's seeing the world as God sees it and desiring to change it. Oh, now some of you are real quick to see the issues of the world and you post it on social media. Oh, I can't believe what the government's doing. I can't believe what those in our town are doing. But you really don't do anything about it. You post it on social media and you pat yourself on the back and go, oh, look at that, I'm a good I even put a scripture reference at the bottom of my post. Well, good for you. The, Satan, our enemy, uses scriptures too. Come on. Let me move on. <laughs> Are you willing to do something about it? Not a passive-aggressive response, but are you willing to look for that opportunity, to follow that opportunity, to pursue that opportunity, to see the world as God sees it, and choose to have a desire to make a change? See, we can find each of these attributes unfolding throughout the book of Acts. They're stepping into the world that is consumed by the law and religion and structure and routine. And now they're helping this world to come to a place of accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, realizing that he came to set them free from all that binds them, all that has enslaved them. And now God calls us to be a light in the midst of the darkness. And as he left this world to head to heaven to prepare a place for us for all eternity, he gives us the mandate, go and make disciples. Go and multiply, telling people about him everywhere. That requires each of us moving forward with action. So I wonder, are you willing today to be sent? Not are you willing one day, because I hear that a lot, well, one of these days I'll do something. One of these days I'll... Are you willing today? Because I'm going to be honest with you, our time is short. It's not going to be very long until the Lord calls us home and we leave this world. And I don't know about you, but I want to do everything in my ability, everything in my power to populate heaven 
for the glory of God. Are you willing to be sent? Now, on the bottom of your outline, I've given you an opportunity today to rate yourself on each one of these points. So here it is. How willing are you to be sent? One is, I'm not willing at all. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I mean, the old hymn of the church, I don't want to be moved. Or 10, man, let's go buckle up, buttercup. We're on a journey together. Where do you fall in this idea of being sent? One, not at all. Or 10, I really want to go. What's that look like for you? Make sure you rate yourself. Don't rate your spouse. Don't rate the church. I want you to rate yourself today on your outline, one to 10. Question number two is this. Are you willing to be bold? Now, this is difficult for some of you because some of you, you'd rather the world just pass by and not make any ruckus whatsoever. You don't want to make any noise. You don't want to ruffle any feathers. You just kind of want to be and exist and just kind of hang out. But you really don't want to do a whole lot. You just want to be in that spot. The question is, are you willing to be bold? Are you willing to take a stand even in the midst of opposition, even in the midst of difficulty? That's where Paul and Barnabas found themselves. In chapter 13, as they were moving along, as they were pressing forward in this calling by God, they went through the seaport of Seleucia to Cyprus, and they were beginning this journey in this ministry, and they came face to face with opposition. Let me be honest. As you follow this command, you will face opposition. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that the word of God is offensive. Why? Because it illuminates what's hiding in darkness. Come on. It brings to light that which is wrong. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We all know that, right? Most of us know that. But if you go on in verse 17, it says, For God sent his Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So here's what we've got going on. It's an offensive word because it, it unveils or reveals that which is done in darkness. But the heart behind the word of God is not to shake a bony finger at, but to lend a hand, a helping hand, a loving hand to bring them out of the darkness into his wonderful lights. The problem is when you're in the darkness, you don't understand the goodness of the lights. Come on. So Paul and Barnabas faced opposition. They ran into a false prophet by the name of Bar-Jesus. This false prophet had attached himself to the governor, had urged the governor to pay no attention whatsoever to Paul or to Barnabas. His goal was very simple. Keep the governor from accepting and believing in Jesus. Now we, we know a little bit about Paul at this point. We know that Paul had a little bit of boldness. But look what happened in verse 9. It says, Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at your neighbor say, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he looked at the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, you son of the devil. Look at your neighbor. This, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. 
He looked at the sorcerer in the eye and he said, you son of a devil. That's like Christian cussing right there is what that is. You son of the devil, full of every sort of evil, deceit, and fraud, an enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true way of the Lord? Let me be honest. That's crazy boldness. I mean, it's one thing to walk up to your opposition and go, seriously, man, you know, we're just trying to do something good for the kingdom of God. We're just trying to share the good news of Christ. But just to point blank, look the guy in the eye and go, you son of a devil. Man. Don't start using that. Some of you teenagers went, I got my new curse word. No, that's not what we're talking about this morning. Because the Bible also says don't allow any, any abusive or, or destructive words come out of your mouth. Okay, so let it be done for wholesome upbringing. And that was Paul's point here. He was pointing out the obvious. This man was a false prophet. Okay, he, he was being used by the enemy. So rightly so, he's a son of the devil. Okay, so what brought Paul to this place of boldness in the face of extreme opposition? Well, verse 9 gave us the answer. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. It didn't say he knew of the Holy Spirit. He was acquainted with the Holy Spirit. But he was filled, consumed with, from the bottom to the top, with the Holy Spirit. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. This newfound power was, is made available to each and every one of us today. It's a game changer in our lives. Because what they were facing, and quite honestly, what we face in our culture today is not just verbal opposition. There's a spiritual warfare. Because the moment you begin to move forward in the good things of Christ, the enemy raises his ugly head. Ephesians chapter 6 says, Therefore clothe yourself in the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand firm a foundation with your feet firmly placed upon the ground. You're clothing yourself with all that God is because we fight not against flesh and blood. Our battle's not with our boss. Our battle's not with the government. Our battle's not with society. Our battle's not with one another. Our battle is a spiritual warfare. The enemy raising his ugly head. 1 John chapter 4 says this, The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in this world. In other words, the power of God is greater than the opposition. It's greater than the power. It's greater than the difficulty that the enemy can throw your way. And it's time for us to embrace the fullness of God and allow the Holy Spirit to stir a holy boldness inside of us. Dr. Carl Bates, the former president of the Southern Baptist Church, once wrote this. There came a time in my life when I earnestly prayed. Now listen carefully to this. I earnestly prayed, God, I want your power. Time wore on and the power did not come. One day the burden was more than I could bear. I asked, God, why haven't you answered that prayer? 
God seemed to whisper back this simple reply. With plans no bigger than yours, you don't need my power. Wow. With plans no bigger than yours, you don't need my power. So I wonder, how big are your plans? Are you dreaming God-sized dreams? Are you satisfied with that which is easily obtained? See, I believe it's time for we, the church, we, the followers of Christ, to stop doing things on our own, a, a personal agenda or a personal growth plan. It's time for us to dream God-sized dreams. It's time for us to multiply what God has called us to do, to pursue that which gets the attention of heaven. If you keep reading on it, we find out very quickly that the governor has a heart change and begins to follow after Jesus. That change would not have occurred if Paul had not stepped up with a holy boldness and spoke the reality of the truth. I want you to think just for a moment how many additional lives were changed because the governor came to know Christ. How many additional lives can be changed if you have a holy boldness and tell that co-worker, that, that family member, that neighbor, that person at the gas station about the good news of Christ? What would happen if they gave their life to Christ? What would be the ripple effect that would occur if they had a life change? Would not have occurred if Paul hadn't stepped up. Then in verse 47, it goes on to say that some of them, some of the Jews were jealous. So they began to slander Paul and argue against whatever he said. Have you ever had people in your life like that? It doesn't matter what you say. They're going to be in opposition of it. They're going to cause problems. They're going to disagree with you regardless what it is. You can say, hey, this carpet is like a grayish black color. No, it's not. It's a, it's a dark shade of it. And they're going to come with some other color. Yeah, we all know those people. But what did Paul do when they started raising opposition and, and slandering his name? What did Paul do? Did he, did he cower in fear? Did he give up and remain silent? No, he stepped out in boldness once again. In verse 46, it says that Paul spoke out boldly. What was the result? Verse 49 says, so the Lord's message spread throughout the region. Why? Because two men chose to accept this challenge to be sent. Two men, when they were facing opposition, when they were facing slander, stood with a holy boldness declaring the good news of Christ. This message of forgiveness and grace was multiplied throughout the region. So here's the question. How bold are you in your journey with Jesus? One, I'm not bold at all. Ten, I am like Superman of boldness. Where do you fall in that parameter, that scale, one to ten? See, then there's a final question. Are you willing to follow God's lead to multiply? 
Let's look back at our text this morning. It's a missional calling that God has placed upon every one of us. And he says in verse 47, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. God has made you to be a light in the darkness. And therefore, he will place in your pathway opportunities to bring light and hope and peace, grace and joy to a world that is consumed with brokenness and strife. The question is, will you choose to accept the call and go? Will you grab the heart of God and illuminate God's grace in the darkness? Listen to this. Serving God in and outside of the church must be viewed as an act of worship to God, not as a chore or even religious obligation. What we do on the Sunday service or what we do throughout the week in serving and giving ourselves to God, it's not to be viewed as something I have to do. Oh, great. Now, pastor's telling me that I need to begin to be used by God when I'm not even here. No. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is saying, Lord, I'm available. Lord, whatever you have in store, God, whatever you want to do, Lord, however you want to use me, here I am. It's not self-promotion or even church promotion. It's bringing all glory and honor back to God to accept this mandate, this calling, this great mission to multiply the kingdom. Acts 13, 17 the God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them multiply. Come on, say multiply. And grow strong. Say grow strong. During their stay in Egypt, then with a powerful arm, he led them out of their slavery. Here's what I want you to get on this. God is calling some of you. He's calling all of you. He's calling each of you out of your slavery this morning. He's calling you out of bondage this morning. He is setting you on a new mission, a new calling today. But for some of you, you've been a slave to fear. I don't know, Pastor, that I can do this because what will people say? I, I may not have the answers. How will they respond? For some of you, it's a slavery of comforts. You've kind of settled in. I'm kind of in a good pace right now. All is good. I'm comfortable where I am. Let me just kind of hang out in my seat. For some of you, it's a slavery of inadequacy. You don't feel that you're enough. You don't have all the answers. You don't have the degree. You don't have this or you don't have that. Here's what I want you to hear. A very powerful formula today that's going to change everything. You plus God equals more than enough. Come on, that should have made some of you excited. You plus God equals more than enough. How do I know that? Because you just have God and that's enough. You add you with God, now that's more than enough. You plus God equals more than enough. The next statement is going to be tough for some of you to accept. 
I want you to listen carefully. God is not likely to take an idle Christian off the shelf, dust them off, and entrust them to a greater work. Come on, think about that. He's not likely to take somebody that's kind of been settling in the corner covered with cobwebs and give them a greater work. Because the Bible says in Matthew 25, you've been faithful in handling a small amount. Now I'll give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate. But here's what he does want out of you. Begin to do something. He's looking for willingness. He's looking for an individual. He's looking for a people that are tired of sitting in the corner. He's looking for a people that are tired of hanging out. He's looking for a people that aren't satisfied with being satisfied. He's looking for a people that are willing to be sent. The question is, are you willing to go? See, your responsibility is not how they respond. You're responsible for your response. Paul and Barnabas experienced a variety of responses. Some people followed after God. Others rose up in opposition. And yet through it all, the name of Jesus was made known. The message of God's forgiveness and grace was multiplied. Look what it says in verse 50 through 52. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city. They incited a a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they shook the dust off their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Some accepted Some rejected. But through it all, the good news of Christ was spread. Why? Because two men chose to step up with boldness. So here's your final question. Are you willing to follow God's lead no matter what? Are you willing to follow God's lead no matter what. Are you willing to be sense? Are you willing to have boldness? Are you willing to follow his lead no matter what? Would you pray with me today? Thank you again for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to your life.